Alrighty, g'day everyone, Clarky here, welcome to the Tripod Live with Clarky and Winnie. We are here for the next hour with you all to preview every single game for round five in the NRL season and of course we've got some best bets for you as well which we know you all can't wait to dig your teeth into. Joined by my co-host as always, Winnie, how are you going mate? Going great, thanks mate, I can't believe we've already had a full month of the season. Last week was pretty good. Not perfect. We went just one and one on the best bets, losing in the opening round of uh, match of round four with a best bet on Penrith. But it was all up after that. We won our other best bet. We won our mixed matchup uh, with Penrith's points being enough to outscore the the bunnies, and that was a two dollar forty winner. We won the same game multi seven dollars fifty on Friday night in the Battle of Brisbane. The round multi lost. That one lost. Uh, Manly not coming up head-to-head, although they did win our best bet. And even take on Toppy, your win, finding Katoa in the final game of the round. So that was pretty successful. Yeah, mate, that was that was an awesome little one to close out the round there with Katoa at $2 odds. You know, the, the whole Sharkies team had scored at that point. We were just waiting for him. Um, but let's get to it, guys. We know what you love the most here. We are here for the best bets. The best bets are presented by Lana Trady Software. Never miss a call again, convert more quotes, and spend less on marketing with their powerful automation software. Check out their website and book a free consult. You can get 10% off using our show's code TPLIVE. With that said, Winnie, let's draw back the curtains, mate. Let it rip. What are our best bets for round five? Okay, let's jump straight away. A pair of best bets like we had last week, taking the St. George Illawarra Dragons gulp $1.80 to beat the Dolphins. I know nobody's going to want to be on them, but they are still favorites for a reason. With the outs, the Dolphins still have having to overcome losing their halfback last week. Their enforcers still out. The Dragons, as pitiful as they were on Sunday, they're at home yet again, and they're under a lot of pressure. But I just think that they're a first-grade squad that's still actually as good as the Dolphins that just haven't performed that way. But at home, I give them the edge. In fact, it's a strong edge. I think they'll win that one. And then I'm going Bulldogs, similar reason that it's a pretty even matchup, and I've got the home team. And depending where you look, and in this case, $1.80 on better plus one and a half, and that's available a few places, uh, you can get the doggies who are at home. And again, the Cowboys have significant rep players out, so I'm not sure uh, that they should be favoured in that game. I like the doggies um, to bounce back from their loss in round four as well. Mate, I love the doggies too. I think with Nanai's suspension, Cowboys might be short a little bit of spark, which has been a talking point for us certainly over the past four weeks on the show. For the Dragons, the pressure is off them. Uh, sorry, it is on them. And you do wonder because when the pressure was on them against the Titans in round one, they were awesome. Then the pressure kind of crept off a little bit. And they kind of slacked off in the last two games. Now that pressure's right back on. They're in the media spotlight. It'll be interesting to see if they do come out and explode against the Dolphins like they did the Titans. We open the round with the Roosters versus the Parramatta Reels. It's at Allianz Stadium. The line is set at minus five and a half in the Roosters' favour. For the Roosters, Joey Manu is still out suspended. That brings Drew Hutchinson into the centres. Two new faces on the bench of them, Nafua White and Corey Allen. For the Eels, a big out there. Co-captain Junior Barlow is out suspended. That means Wiramu Greg starts and Jack Murchie joins their bench. Lions pretty close here, Winnie. You seeing it as a close one or are you you liking someone in this one? It could be close, but it's a tough one for the Eels again. I mean, I did predict a week ago that the Eels would go 0-5. I didn't see them beating Penrith. I was ultra impressed by that performance. I know that they cut it fine and they nearly had the most brutal loss you could imagine. And can you imagine 
if they don't recover and kick that winning field goal in extra time, which, you know, by rights, they were down a man and Penrith had all the momentum. Penrith could have gotten them. Not only would they be 0-4 staring down the barrel 0-5, but they would have lost Junior Paulo and the game in that same moment, essentially, with that high shot. Instead, that's the only dampener, and I think they're going to get so much motivation and momentum and spark from that win just to get the monkey off their back, but also prove to themselves how good they really are. So I definitely can't write off Parramatta here, but what works against them is third straight Thursday night game playing against an opponent that had the luxury of a bye the week before, uh, which definitely means the Roosters have just come in fresh and prepared. Well, I did hear they trained pretty hard. They almost treated that break as a bit of a second preseason. But put it this way, I definitely think the Roosters are going to look sharp in this one. And going back to the loss of Barlow, it's like, you know, you've got this Roosters side with Maria Hargraves. Lindsay Collins looks reinvigorated. Brandon Smith is in the middle, as is Victor Radley. It's not a side to be missing a key a key middle out of. I wonder, because uh, Arthur has ridden his origin prop so hard, if it might do him some good, giving Paulo a spell long term, but it won't do him any good in this game. They'll definitely miss miss um, their, their best forward, basically, in this one. Uh, and as big as that effort was last week, I say this all the time, you can't just play 100% balls to the wall, max desperation, max intensity every week. If you could, everybody would. Every coach would demand that of their team. But you can't always reproduce that. And as great as, I mean, as much as Para doesn't want to be one of four in a week's time, it could still be a letdown spot naturally just because of uh, how intense that game was. It was similar to an origin intensity and Parramatta couldn't have played much better. So I look at Roosters, they're coming off a derby clash where they got to cool their heels after they did beat Souths. And I think that the Roosters are better across the board. If there's one area that the Eels could get the upset here, it would be Moses and Brown again. It would be off Moses's boot and it would be the playmaking of their halves that would have to outplay the Roosters. Uh, I think the line's about fair. I will give a kind of bonus advice or guidance if you're having a bet in this one, how I see it. I have a feeling that if Paris any chance, they're going to have to come out strong and carry the momentum of the win last week and, and set the tone early and get in front early because I feel like if Para falls behind, the mm. Roosters will carry on with it. Whereas if you like the Roosters, I have noticed a trend that they are not necessarily starting that strong and they're kind of backloading their focus and their effort in games. Sometimes they're starting with key uh, players off the bench, but they're more worried about just being in the game with 20 or 30 to go and then being able to press the accelerator so I feel like if you like the Roosters, you could play them second half. And for a value play, I was meant to look out, uh, shop around, but I um, ran out of time. But people can look for themselves. Uh, value play, maybe Eels halftime, Roosters full-time, which would be around kind of the $7 mark. Could be a juicy way to get some action on that one. Yeah, I like what you said about the Roosters really coming into the back end of games and taking over. That's actually one of my notes as well. And they have shown they're willing to do that by playing Jared Warrior-Hargaves and Brendan Smith both off the bench in previous games. The strange thing for the Eels here is, look, they won last week. It won't take anything away from them, but it was a one-point victory. And you do wonder, if it went the other way, if Cleary kicked the field goal instead, the line here would be so much different because all of a sudden, Eels are 0-4. But really, it was such a close contest. And in the grand scheme of things, it was really just who kicked the field goal first. Um, golden point is, that's just the nature of it, right? And so I think it would be very interesting to see how the odds look at this. Um, and interesting that so many people are giving Para a big chance based on last week. But that that's the way footy rolls sometimes. I'm going to go Roosters here. 1-17 to 17 on paper. 
they are a much stronger side, I think, than the Parramatta Eels, and they certainly have a lot more spark out wide. The Roosters have mixed their form in 2023, but with big JP missing and the fact that Jared Rhea Hargraves and Brandon Smith are starting this game, I just get the feeling that over 80 minutes, their middles are going to work them over. They are going to get on top of the Eels in the middle there. And we know once the Roosters do that, they just have too much X factor out wide in Teddy, Suwali'i, Daniel Tupo, you name it. They've got the spark there. Roosters have won six of their last eight against the Eels. And the Eels have not defeated the Chooks at Moore Park, Allianz Stadium, since 2008. That goes back a long way. So history is on the Chookies' side in this one. For try scorers, Winnie, I'm looking at Suwali'i. He scored four tries in his last two against the Eels. But he was on the wing for those two games. Now in the centres, I guess you really have to weigh up. Do you prefer him on the wing or would you prefer him in the centres at this point of his career? So Lee, I haven't really thought about him. He hasn't been in the news or anything. So he's been kind of out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. Um, oh, look, he's going to score more tries on the wing, but you want your better players generally closer to the ball. He's a threat anywhere. He's going to be slightly better odds playing at centre. I think you said this at the top, but I would push back when you said the Roosters are clearly better across the park. I don't think there's that much difference when you take out Joey Manu. Like that is a big reason why the Roosters would have had a big edge in the outside backs. They still do. And of course, the other headline this week is how the Eels are searching for another outside back, uh, which is, it was an interesting headline when their captain plays fullback. But nonetheless, oh, so Ali is never a bad option uh, for a try for sure. And with Joey Manu missing, potentially they do use him with a little bit more strike. Um, the other try score option, I think everyone knows who I'm going to offer here. Mike Acevo, he scored four tries in his last five against the Roosters. Prolific try scorer. Always one to consider for your uh, multis. We then move to Friday night. It's the Canberra Raiders up against the Penrith Panthers here in Canberra at GIO Stadium. The line is set at minus 12.5 in the Panthers' favour. For the Raiders, they do have some inclusions. Jordan Rapiner and Jamal Fogarty return. Jack Wyden is out suspended, so Matt Frawley moves to 5'8". For the Panthers, they've got some changes as well. We've got Luke Garner and, um, and Liam Martin. They're both out, so that moves Scott Sorensen and Zach Hosking into their back row. And Tyrone Peachy winning. He is back in Panthers colours. Lion kind of indicates this one a bit of a blowout, I would say. Panthers 13+. plus. You're going with the Panthers in this one? Yeah, I'd be very shocked if they'd lose this one. Let's not forget, they've only got one win this season, and I think they're going to make it two in the weak gutted dog cup Friday night Mm -hmm. in Canberra. Uh, It feels like a horrible spot for the Raiders, honestly. Like, Penrith, you're getting Penrith off for loss. You never want to play Penrith off for loss. They don't have too many of them. And they played Thursday. They got all this time to recover, eight-day turnaround on the Friday, whereas the Raiders had to play Sunday, so they get the shortest possible turnaround. You mentioned their best player, White, and suspended as well, and they looked lost. Granted, it was only 10 minutes, but it was a crucial 10 minutes where they were behind, and they did actually get a couple sets on the night's line, and they just hoped that they could uh, score from crash over plays because they had nothing else. And I know that's what they'll try and do in this one, try and play through Penrith, but I don't feel like Penrith's the type of you know physical team that you can push through, and they're certainly not going to get around the Panthers, whereas I look at Penrith and, look, I say it again, Parramatta played almost flawless a week ago. Like, their completion rate, NRL record in metres, awesome defence all night, so desperate. And Penrith still scored 16 points. So you kind of figure the Raiders, I don't think, can reach the level that Parra played. You know there's going to be a couple extra opportunities going Penrith's way. It doesn't take much to turn 26 in, uh, sorry, 
16 into 26, you know, or more. So whereas I don't really know where the Raiders points are going to come from. I know Fogarty back will be a big in, but as I say again, like you got to make sure fullback there. As much as Chris had a massive game from a workload point of view last week, it's still he doesn't necessarily help you create points. Um, and and they will definitely miss Jackie Whiten. So I think it's going to be a real tough uh, day at the office for the Raiders. In saying that, this line a week ago was or, or on Sunday night when we did our recap. I saw in the comments someone saying they really liked Panthers minus eight and a half, and I thought that does sound good. And sure enough, it was was twelve and a half when I looked. So you, you, it's a steep price. It's no no surprise if um if Penrith wins this well, and it just got a bit too expensive for me to lay the points. Um, but I expect they'll win it reasonably comfortably. I'm tipping the same there. And for to answer the question on screen at the moment, uh, I don't think it's so much a matter of Penrith really needing to improve their attack. I just think if they play their natural game, the Raiders aren't going to score too many points. And so that's where I think the score line could come from in this one. Let's start with this stat, Winnie. Matt Frawley, when starting at 5-8 for the Raiders, is 8-0. and And Scott Sorensen, when starting for the Panthers, is 0-6. He's never won. So there's some interesting stats there. But in all seriousness, I've got to go with Penrith here. The loss of Jack Whiten, I think it leaves the Raiders a little bit too short. Um, I thought he created a lot of their spark in recent games. And without him, as you alluded to, you look at their spine and you kind of think, where are the points going to come from? Um, certainly Tom Starling at hooker is probably their biggest spark within their spine that I can see at the moment. Uh, but Frawley and Fogarty are generally game managers. I don't think they're going to break the game open, so to say, like a Jack Whiten can. Uh, I will make a bold prediction here. I don't think the Raiders score more than one try. I'm not sure if that's so bold, but I, I, I w- I'd be shocked if they scored more than eight points, if I'm being absolutely honest in this one. They're averaging around 20 this year, so maybe it is a bold call. Their uh, over-under is 12 and a half, if people are interested. So, I mean, they're expected to score about two, but possibly mm. more. So saying just hold them to one would be reasonably juicy odds. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think Penrith the Cable, if they play their natural game without Raiders having that spark, we can't forget how good Penrith are defensively, right? I mean, they haven't been at their best this year, but from what we know over the past three years, this side is very, very strong defensively. So I still like the Panthers. They've won eight of their last 10 against the Raiders, and it is Isaiah Yo's 200th NRL game. On the back of him re-signing, I think that's a great mental edge for the Panthers. So I will tip them 13-plus when he, I would take them at that line there, even though it is quite large. We go to the Rabbitohs versus the Storm. This is at a core stadium. The line is set at minus 4.5 in the Bunnies' favour. For South, Harme Sele returns from his concussion stand-down. That pushes Ben Lovett out of the 17. And for Melbourne, Tom Eisenhuth returns to the side for Tyron Wishart. Uh, Winnie, we do have our better same game multi for this one. I'll touch on that in a moment. Before I do, can I get your thoughts on this one? Yeah, in the recap, I do feel like maybe I spoke a bit more Manly-centric in that epic uh, Bunny-Seagulls clash. We had a best bet on Manly. I was kind of watching it through their lens, and, and I still maintain they should have won. But let's not take away from how impressive that uh, that performance was by the bunnies because I had a best bet against them for the very reason it would be a big challenge to overcome an informed seagull side with several of their middles out and the fact that look they didn't cover the game and they still could have lost the fact that they were behind they fought back in the game and they ultimately did get the chocolates um, with the players who were available stepping up in the forwards and of course when you have Latrell, Walker, Cook, Murray, you're never out of a game. These guys just didn't allow them to lose 
Uh, I was super impressed. That, that's a really big victory for this side early in the year. And as you say, you get Hamesele back, so there's somewhat reinforcements. But what that also will allow them to do is shift Kolo Omotangi back to the edge, where I think he's at his most effective. And the, the Bunnies are the better team at this point in time. They're better than the Storm. You know, there's still no Jerome Hughes. And I would also say not only are the Bunnies the better side, but uh, I don't even think this Storm side is as good as Manly. As currently constructed with no Papanaz and no Hughes and with the forwards they've got out. So it's the same line that Manly was catching last week, but it's an inferior opponent in my opinion. So I'm not interested in taking uh, Bellamy's men, although write them off at your own peril. It's not often that um, that a Melbourne Storm side is an underdog in recent years, to be honest. It does not happen too often. But if I had to play the line, I would actually lay the four and a half rather than taking it because I'm trying to look across the park and I'm going, where is the Storm's advantage? Like, where do they get the edge in this game? And you can say Munster, Harry Grant, uh, and I know their back row really stepped up, but it's like Souths have players, rep players in those positions that cancel out what the Storm do best, and arguably the, the Souths have more rep players beyond that. So that's why I think this line is very much justified, and I nearly played the men in uh, red and green, or Cardinal and Myrtle, I should say. Yeah, I think this will be a close one. Ryan Whitaker, he's on under 40 and a half. You think it'll be a high scoring or low scoring? I do think he commented that for the Panthers Raiders game. Um, but I don't have a strong opinion. People have only noticed I haven't tipped like so many totals this year. And I just mm. can't feel as confident because I just feel like points lead to points sometimes where one team scores one or two and then the game opens up. And the other thing happens is when a team finds it hard to score, it almost feels that the whole game tightens up. I mean, not many people could foresee a 13-12 in the Bunnies-Manly game when a week earlier Manly played 34-30. So sorry for a long-winded answer. I won't, you know, uh, weigh in strongly on, on the total unless it really jumps out at me. Always a tough one. I'm sure in round three in the Dragons-Broncos, you would have thought you were sitting on a pretty uh, ticket with 70 minutes, Mark. Um, but as we saw in that final 10, anything can happen in footy. Here's an interesting stat for you, Winnie. The Souths are actually looking for their first ever back-to-back wins over the Melbourne Storm and the entire NRL history. They've never beaten the Storm twice consecutively. But I don't think this is the same Storm side. The stats say the Storm have beat the Bunnies seven of their last eight, seven times until that last meeting. But I just don't believe it's the same same Storm side. And although that's a super impressive stat, I can't apply it to this game. Up against the Tigers last round at home, the Melbourne Storm didn't have that killer instinct that they've had in previous years. And yeah, I get it. I completely get it. They've got so many players out injured at the moment. They're thin in the middle without Naz, and they are thin in their spine without Hughes and Pappenhausen. I don't say that to, in a negative way for the Melbourne Storm. It's just the reality of the situation they have at the moment. One thing we have seen from the Bunny side this year, really besides that Roosters game where they got a little bit too competitive, they are in games for the entire 80. They are there to fight tooth and nail, so it seems. A good example is Keon Kolomatungi getting moved from the edge to the middle and still putting up close to 200 metres and 40-plus tackles. They're there to fight. I'm getting a vibe this year from Latrell Winnie that he's becoming a bit of a big-game player. I sort of like it a little bit to how people a few years ago used to say um, Queensland Gagai or Gagai in a Maroons jersey. Um, Latrell last week, his only attacking stat was one offload. He never really got into the game. And although the Melbourne Storm are down on troops, I suspect a lot of teams, and certainly the Bunnies on previous, uh, having lost seven of their last eight against them, still view the Melbourne Storm as a big team. 
And so I reckon Luttrell is going to be up for a big one here. I reckon he's going to want to test himself against the Melbourne Storm, and I can see him having a real uh, big game here. For potential try scorers, I mean, you know who I'm going to say. Alex Johnston, 22 tries in his last 13 at a core. He didn't score last week, Winnie. Have you seen any trends in the past where, like, a prolific try scorer, if they don't score the week before, you're suddenly keen on the next week, or you think that doesn't really have too much of an effect? It's never really big enough for sample size. I always think with try scores as well, it can literally come down to does the center pass to him or not. And I will say a week ago when you mentioned Johnston, I said that would be a week I'd stay off him because we liked Manly so much. So that proved to um, be the exception to the rule. And I think he was as short as like $1.70. So that was actually a great call staying off him there. Uh, value around Nick Meany as well. Um, with Pappenhausen not there, the Storm are using Meany a lot more naturally being the fullback. He's got six tries in his past seven. So certainly one to consider there. And don't forget, guys, this will be our better same game multi. Better sponsors the Tripod Live and the Fox Sports Lab. You can sign up to better using the link in our show description right now and prepare for our same game multi. This year, we've hit two from four. The latest was at $7.50 odds. We also have an obligation to promote responsible gambling message, which we take very seriously on this show. So if you are having a punt this weekend, ask yourself, what are you really gambling with for free and confidential support? Call the number on the screen or visit the website. We move to Saturday, Winnie. It is the Sea Eagles up against the Newcastle Knights. We're in Mudgee at Glen Willow Oval. The line is set at minus 13 and a half in Manly's favor. They will be without Tolatu Kola. Uh, he has suffered an MCL injury, so Morgan Harper moves into the centers for them. And uh, Lockie Croker's back at hooker, so Carl Lawton drops out. For Newey, just the one change. Jack Johns comes in and replaces Kurt Mann. Knew we got a win last week, Winnie, but the uh, the Lions certainly doesn't like them in this one against the Manly side who went down valiantly against the Bunnies. Who are you liking here? And one of the reasons is because Knights still have a considerable injury toll. And I'm trying to remember who's the latest. Oh, Kurt Mann just came back and now he'll be out because HIA. Whereas Manly's been relatively injury free. They did lose Croker before kickoff last week and now Cola, but they can still cover. Well, Croker returns this week and, uh, and they can cover. They can c- cover Cola. Um, so, honestly, they'd be pretty happy. In fact, if not for that field goal that we mentioned by Ilias uh, for the Bunnies, Manly would be another undefeated side themselves. And, and that's due to their form as well as uh, their, their health so far. New Zealand, uh, sorry, New, Newcastle, if you look at the amount of players that have at least missed one game, starters, you're talking about nearly a full season worth of casualty ward um, in the first month. So, that's that's certainly going to test them out. And now you come out to a country game where it just, I have that feel that if I was to weigh in on the total, especially these daytime games in the country, it always feels like a bit of a footy showcase. And often I do feel like there's a lot of points. And I just think that suits Manly down to the ground and the way they want to play. Whereas Newcastle wants the opposite. They want to grind. They want it to be ugly and they want it to be tight to give them a chance. Um, and, and Manly's been defending well as well as, uh, as showing a lot in attack. And then even if you defend superbly against Manly, then someone like Olakwatu skies in the air and grabs a try out of nowhere, and you know Turbo can do the same. So I could see this game getting out of hand. I've given the Knights a chance at every one of the last four weeks, and this to me looks like the toughest proposition of them all. And I give them a small chance, but not much. I'm not confident. I'm not going near them, even though I think it's the highest line of the week. Uh, I don't know historically if you've got the stat, but it seems like Manly always goes well on this trip to Mudgee, which they've made uh, a few times in recent memory. 
So I'm not going to lay the points either because I think Newcastle's still a little bit better in my mind than what most people see. And hey, I'll say it again, what I said in preseason, they might just be a bit frisky, but I don't think it's a good enough spot to take the Knights as well. You were pretty high on the Knights in the preseason. Let's go Knights finishing 10th. You think higher or lower from what you've seen so far? Oh, look, probably lower. I did pick them 10th, 9th or 10th. Yeah. But like that they've lost Ponga for the season, have all these yeah. injuries. But I think the fact that everything's gone wrong and you're still asking me, like, could they finish 10th? I think it shows um, when most people had them more like 14th, it shows that they've exceeded expectations. Yeah, certainly. They have, they have shown a fair bit. I mean, you take the $1 million player to most sides like Caelan Ponga is right now and, and they'd expect well, to highest, struggle. The highest paid player in the league, according to what I've seen posted on your social media pages. So yeah. that, that is tough. 1.4. Big, big contract there. Um, different form line here. Manly lost their last and Knights won. But realistically, uh, a win over the Raiders was impressive for the Knights. Don't get me wrong. But I just can't I can't take anything away from Manly and their loss to the Rabbitohs. So, yeah, there is mixed form there in terms of one winning, one losing. Uh, but I was still very impressed with the Manly Seagulls, even in that loss. And I'm, I'm not really going to hesitate to tip them here. I think they will get it done. Uh, I do like Turbo and Garrick for tries with Manly winning. I'm not too sure what a multi like that pays. I haven't checked it out, but I think something like that um, could certainly be an option because the Seagulls last year against the Knights outscored them 72 to 18. Um, and a lot of that Manly team is still pretty similar to last year. Um, and as you touched on, they do have a great record in Mudgy. Ruben Garrick scored 32 points in his last two games in Mudgy. And that's a combination of all of his tries and goal kicking as well. Uh, but to get to 32 points, right, when you've you got to be scoring yourself and you need your teammates to be scoring as well, a very, very high total there. I will say, if the Knights do make it back-to-back -back wins here and do defeat Manly, it will almost completely change my opinion of them at the moment. That's how high I'm regarding Manly from what I've seen. At one stage, I was super high on the Knights as well. I had them as high as ninth in my first um, preseason ladder prediction. That has slowly slipped away. For now, I am going to play it safe. I am going to tip Manly. I think they look pretty solid under Seabold this year, and I think the Knights would need something special at Mudgy. It's then the Dragons versus the Dolphins, one of our games we have a best bet on. It's at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong, where the Dragons have a great record. I'll get to that soon. The line is set at minus one and a half in the Dragons' favour. For the Dragons, there's no changes to their 17, but it is reported Jack DeBellin, currently listed in reserves, may recover from his calf complaint and return. For the Dolphins, there's some big changes here. Milford and uh, Katoa are the new halves pairing. Sean O'Sullivan unavailable. Tessie News out, replaced by Jack Bostock, who was actually a Dragons junior winning. So there could be, um, and he did look good in the trials. So one to watch there. Jeremy Marshall King returns from suspension for the Dolphins. And Herman S.A.S.E. recovers from his pec injury and is back on the bench. I know you got the Dragons as a best bet here. So maybe a chance to elaborate a little bit further on this one. Yeah, and I'll respond to Ryan's comment there saying a lot of people are back in the fins, and I, I agree. I've seen uh, posts in group where people can't believe that the Dolphins would be the underdog in this. So Ryan suggests wait a little longer because, you know, the more people that back the Dolphins could actually increase the odds for the Dragons. But I feel like that already has occurred, and I don't think you're going to get a stage where the Dragons would be an underdog in this game. So I felt like grabbing them at eighty. And look, I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but now that we've tipped it as a best bet for the Dragons, I don't know if it's necessarily going to go 
any direction but down. Um, you, but we'll, time will tell. Anyway, it'd be interesting to monitor that. So I think a dollar eighty. I wouldn't tip something if I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a much better price in a couple of days. But we'll see. Uh, Toppy and Sportsbet had a dollar eighty or minus one and a half is still perfectly fine. I just had a feeling like could come down to a Ben Hunt field goal in this one, which is just what kept me off the one and a half. But um, I feel like the Dragons could actually win this one comfortably and surprise people. Um, you know, first of all, let's talk about the Dolphins. You, you basically couldn't have been more impressive over a month of footy. You got three wins and then a valiant defeat in the Battle of Brisbane, overcoming a lot of adversity and playing some decent opponents. St. George has played three games this year, and when I was looking back on them, I find it funny is like you can break it down 240 minutes and you can say they played 120 of them awesome, the final 50 against your boys, the Titans, and the first 70 against Brisbane, and then you can actually say the other 120 minutes they played were woeful, including the most recent 80 just about against the Sharks. Um, and that's that's what we've seen that's what we've seen last and that's not good enough and that's very inconsistent and that's why not many people will will play the Dragons this week and on top of that Marshall King is a big in. And then you've got the off-field stuff. So you've got Amon like should be by rights in this 17, but I think because he was stood down, I don't know if they could prepare with him or they had to prepare the off-season as if he wasn't going to be there and it set his timeline back. I don't know when they're going to be able to integrate him back into the side and of course the coach, Griffin, who, for the record, I've never rated. Uh, I didn't rate the, the signing of him. It hasn't worked. But he's basically been sacked without being sacked. Like, it's a bit of a mess. I say all that. Um, and, I, and I said in the recap, Cronulla's a really good team. But for the Dragons to be that bad on Sunday night, I do think there's a small chance that this could just be a train wreck season for the Dragons. It could just go from bad to worse. And Hook would have to leave early because maybe his position becomes untenable. But... It could happen. There's like a small percent chance it could happen, but it's a long season. And I also think that being at home again against an opponent that they match up pretty well against, like the Dolphins don't overwhelm anybody with talent. It's a big opportunity for the Dragons to actually redeem themselves and turn their season back around, uh, run recapture the form that they found in their opening game of the season, which was also at home. So the draw has been reasonably kind to them early in the year. And let's look at the Dolphins draw. I feel like Opening game of the season, massive crowd, Suncorp. Well, first game in franchise history in the NRL, right? Then the next game they played was hosting the Raiders' first game at Redcliffe. And then their third game was so many players were out for Newcastle that the Dolphins were favourites and it was a massive opportunity to win a game away from home and to go 3-0. and And, of course, last week was the Brisbane Derby. So they've been sky high for all these games. You can't maintain that. So is the drop-off this week? I think it's possible. I know it's going to be an unpopular bet, as I've said, but those are sometimes the best ones you can make with the new halves pairing for Brisbane. Uh, oh, sorry, for the Brisbane Dolphins or for the Finns. I and missing their enforcer, as I said at the top, I'm not convinced that they're going to win this one when a lot of others expect they will. So, best bet: Dragons dollar eighty. I think for the Dolphins, eventually they will run out of sort of those mental edges, but there is a big one this week that I think people might be missing which I'm going to touch on in a moment. I do have to pick your brain, though. With the Dragons' second half last week against the Sharks, I'm putting that down to a bit of an attitude issue because we saw something similar to the Broncos. Are you putting that more down to just Nico Hines' brilliance could happen to any team? I feel like mentally they thought they were in the game. They thought it was a good game. Like uh, they were leading 8-6, you know, and even when you're within a try, 
but suddenly Cronulla just uh, just kind of shocked them, like stunned yeah. them. And once they were down a couple of tries, and then it was three, they mentally kind of realized, oh, here we go. Like they they felt like they were out of the game and they couldn't win. And sometimes you see that where a team that's expected to get blown out, if they're down two or three tries, they actually don't drop their bundle because they knew what they were in for. But sometimes in a game where a team thinks they can win and then suddenly falls way behind, uh, it goes from bad to worse. Uh, no excuse for it, though, in front of their home fans. Uh, and I know what you're going to say as well because I forgot to make the point, but Jesse Bromwich, 300 games, uh, should inspire the Dolphins. And, yes, that is a concern for me as well. I should acknowledge it. Mate, you actually are... It sounds like I'm changing your mind and you're changing my mind because now I, the more I think about it, the Dolphins aren't going to blow them out of the water. They don't play like that, like the Broncos no. and Sharks did. That's not their style. Um, there is a fair few changes to the Dolphins' side this week. I'm going to tip them regardless. Milford does provide them with more X factor, but guys, don't get me wrong. I would much rather have the stable hand of Sean O'Sullivan there. But the difference between these two sides for me at the moment is the grit. The Dolphins have had grit in all of their games. And yes, they have had a mental reason. First ever game, first game at Suncorp, first away game, first game in Redcliffe. I get it. There's been some big reasons there. Um, but against all odds in that Broncos game, the Dolphins did try their heart out and the effort was there. And I view the Broncos as a very, very good side um, this year. Whereas for the Dragons, in their last two games, they've been in it. Then they face that adversity and they've kind of fallen apart. Whereas when the Dolphins were faced with adversity um, against the Broncos last week, they almost rose to the occasion and said, you know what, stuff it. We're just going to play as hard as we can. And I really love that attitude by the Dolphins. Not so much loving the attitude I have seen from the Dragons um, so far this year. But I will say, Winnie, the Dragons are five from five in their last five games at Wollongong. Um, so they do love playing at that home ground. You mentioned it. It's Jesse Bromwich's 300th. My gut feeling tells me that will be uh, sort of another inspiration for the Dolphins to sort of use that as motivation. And for the club, really, this is their first ever big milestone um, where it's the 300th game of their skipper. I think Wayne Bennett will make a huge deal of this through the week. And um, because I just saw in the Dawn of the Dolphins documentary how keen Wayne was to get Jesse and how high he rated him, he pretty much walked away from the meeting and said, I don't care, just get him, um, which Wayne Bennett wouldn't do that for many players. So I think the super coach is going to make a big deal of it. If the Dolphins are to win this, they're going to need their big game players to step up. There's no doubt about it, especially with the new halves pairing. So I go to the Hammer, who scored five tries in his four games this year. He scored every week. So I actually don't mind the Dolphins here as slight underdogs and potentially the Hammer um, crossing for a try. We're a bit split on this one. Anything further from yourself before we go move on to the next game? I mean, you already mentioned Bennett. So Bennett versus Hook is another factor that would be in your favour. Certainly... Uh, not hard to make a case for the Dolphins in this one. I, I feel like maybe the market's gotten carried away because they've they've played as well as they can possibly play, whereas the Dragons have played as badly as they can possibly play in a couple of spots. Um, mm. And I just think these sides could get closer to their baseline levels in this one. And then yep. the, the home field, as you say, playing at Wynn Stadium might help us get a, a best bet win. Oh, mate, all things considered, it's a great best bet. 100% win record on the last five there. And the last time the Dragons had the pressure on was against the Titans, and they came out and blew them off the park in 40 minutes. So certainly the same could happen in this one. It's the Broncos versus the Tigers at Suncorp Stadium. The line is set at 16 and a half in the Broncos' favor. Broncos have got no changes to their 17. 
Um, whereas for the Tigers, they have new faces on the bench. Their bench is Twal, Simpkin, Matamua, and Stafford Tola. Um, how are you seeing this one, Winnie? The market seems to think it's going to be a bit of a Broncos blowout. It's funny, at this point in the year, everyone's played at least three. Most teams have played four games. So now you can kind of look back at that that pack of uh, of four and, and really try and assess teams. And as great as Brisbane have looked, as much praise has been heaped on them, including by me, because I feel like I, I was on it and we won a few best bets on them and, and the same game multi last week. You can look at it from a different angle and you can say, well, they won round one by a field goal, could have lost. Level scores against the Cowboys before the Drinkwater sin bin. Level scores with 10 to go against the Dragons. And they're losing with 20 to go against the Dolphins. So they, they you know, they're 4-0. Oh. They could be 2-2. Two and two. They could be 0-4 oh in a crazy parallel universe. Um, but I'm not saying they don't deserve to sit on the top, but they're almost like the reverse eels. They've found a way to pull out all these close wins, whereas Parramatta found a way to blow quite a few of them. Um, but the truth is, you know, are the Broncos a legit title contender, top four side? In my mind, they absolutely are. And it's not a fluke, the results that they've pulled. I think clearly they had a big preseason, very determined to start the year strong after. We've got to remember the failures to 2022. And then Walsh has been a revelation and has naturally in- lifted the, the ceiling of this side and made them a force to be reckoned with. And, of course, the other thing I mentioned about Manly, and Manly nearly uh, would be top of the table, if not for a field goal loss. Minimal force changes, minimal uh, disruption. You know, the terrible Oates injury, but you got covered there with Arthurs, but they haven't had to lose really any starters. I mean, they did miss Reese Walsh in game one, but again, they, they were able to scrape by there. Um, Let me quickly add for consistency, it's their fourth consecutive game at Suncorp as well. That helps a lot. Absolutely. Like, that, what a friendly draw. A lot of people have talked about this in terms of the minimal travel when you, in fact, I heard Brisbane's only got to go to Sydney about like two more times in the next 20 weeks. Like that, that's how crazy, how good, how friendly their draw is. Whether, you know, don't want to get into conspiracy, Channel 9 likes them, they rate well. Um, but look, at the end of this game, it's highly likely one team's going to be five from five and the other is going to be zero from five. And you talk about the consistency that the Broncos have had in their lineup when the Tigers have been not nearly as fortunate. And part of that they've brought on themselves because they've made changes of their own volition. Like, the guy who trained at 5-8th all preseason and is a natural six to me in, in Dewey is starting fullback again. And they've told their first choice fullback he needs to work on his fitness. I don't know what he was doing in the offseason. Um, you know, and, and look, I've got to mention something else. I said that the Dolphins, that Dolphins Broncos game was another one that was legit origin level intensity. And I think there could be a natural come down for the Dolphins. So you have to like at least flag it. It could be the same issue for Brisbane. But let's not forget that there's a revenge factor in this one because when Brisbane played the Tigers at Suncorp last year towards the end of the year, I think you could actually pinpoint that as a turning point in Brisbane's season where they were 18-point favourites and failed to win. And I guarantee they haven't forgotten that. And when you've got a big favourite, sometimes what you're worried about is complacency underestimating the opponent. I think Brisbane won't do that because of what happened last time these sides met at the same venue. Uh, and Wests are better than last year. So while I think Brisbane's going to beat them well and Wests are still a bit of a mess right now, it's a big enough line for me to leave it alone. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I'm confident on a Broncos victory, but I'm just not confident by that amount because 
the Tigers could dig in and have a real crack here. Um, you know, eventually every side's got to win and, and the pressure builds up and you get that sort of big performance that no one saw coming, like we saw last year when they beat the uh, was it the Eels by a golden point that no one expected. I will say in terms of fatigue for the Broncos, I don't think it's so much of a factor this early in the season, but it was certainly a factor the last time they played them at Suncorp. By that stage, the Broncos looked absolutely shot. Look, Tigers will win this in 2023. Unfortunately, I can't see how that changes here. I just, from what we've seen from both sides this year, I don't think many people could look and and really genuinely tip the Tigers in this one, unless it was sort of that gut feeling. So I've got to go the Broncos. Um, it, it's hard to analyze the Tigers this year without being extremely negative. And that's not towards the players. It's more so much the off-field decisions that are going on right now. I don't like the current spine. I really don't like it at all. I think Dane Laurie is their best fullback, and I think Adam Dway here is their best six. And I think Luke and who's Brooks their approach, best seven? I would honestly be trying Brandon Wakeham there. Uh, I, I think Luke Brooks is probably a better player, all things considered. But I mean, he's getting close to two hundred games now with the, one of the lowest win percentages. Uh, the last time they won with him, I, I did this stat on my page this week. I think it was like round four last year was the last game they won with Brooks. Um, and he was playing 5 eighth. He wasn't even halfback in that game. Hastings was the halfback. So, I mean, go figure. I, they just, they seem intent on keeping Brooks in the seven. And I just think you look at all the Tigers sides since they started missing the finals in 2011-ish. From 2013 onwards, the common denominator has been Luke Brooks. Um, Austin Holmes says Brooks needs a better partner. I, maybe that's the case, but we haven't seen the Tigers that Brooks to know um, whether that is or not. Broncos Hastings have not was started. one of their best last year, so I don't think you can really blame his halves partner. But I don't want to no. bash Brooks either because I think the roster hasn't been that strong. Um, yeah. I actually would probably sub him out just because for a fresh start. I feel like at this point you're so jaded, you know, and it's yeah. like almost not fair on him because he gets like unfair, unfair share of the blame sometimes. Um, he does, but, you mate. know, at this point, if you don't see a long-term future with him, you've got to try new combinations, give someone else a go. You're right, and it is hard to criticise the Tigers without really sounding like a Brooks, Brooke, uh, Luke Brooks hater, which I'm uh, I'm not. I apologise if it came off that way. I don't mind him at 14, Winnie. Maybe come on in the last 20 and let him rip some magic because he is a good player um, in certain stages of a game for sure. Broncos have not started a season 5-0 since 1998. Trivia time, Winnie. What happened in that season? Beat the Bulldogs in the grand final? Absolutely correct. So I think Kevin Walters, I think he might have been played in that game. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly he did. It. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be in 10 on starting this season, 5-0. and oh. The Tigers do have a pretty decent record against the Broncos, though. They've won four of their last five against them. But because the Broncos players have spoken about uh, what you were saying, that loss last year, they've actually spoken about it in the media this week and said, hey, we're aware of what happened last week. It's not going to happen again. Because they sort of taken that accountability and really acknowledged it, I don't foresee another upset here. For a potential try scorer, I do like Katoni Staggs. He scored four tries in his last three games. And some of the Tigers' defensive combinations out wide still have leave a little bit to be desired. There's been a few changes again um, out on the edges. Um, as I said, it's the Broncos' fourth consecutive game at Suncorp. The reduced travel will certainly help them. I'm tipping on Winnie. I probably just can't tip them by 17. It's, it's just a, a bit too much of a risk for me. So I will I will leave that there. Oh, can I make one more point about the Tigers? Check out their draw. It does not get any easier after this. I think they've got Penrith, Parramatta, Manly, 
on the horizon. I like I don't know if they'll win a game before about round nine or ten where they play the Dragons. That that's no gimme. I mean, there, there are no gimmies when you're down that end of the ladder. But how how rough of a season could it be? Um, I can't see them winning this one. So I'd like mm. to know when people think they will win a game and what else might they feel they need to change before then. Yeah, I've got Broncos this week, Eels the next, then they get a bye, then they're up against the Sea Eagles, Panthers, round 10, Dragons, then it's the Bunnies, then the Cowboys, then another bye. We could be getting to round 13 where the Tigers only points are buys. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I move think on, move, move on. on we don't Tigers mean to, fans we're not, start knocking on our doors. Yeah, we're not picking on them. Oh, it sounds like we are, but I promise Tigers fans, we're not. Sorry. Uh, it's that time of the show where we hear from Tristan, the top sports CEO. He's going to give us an exclusive look into the NRL market and show us what it's doing this round. Uh, we've got a video from Tristan, which we'll play now. G'day, everyone. It's Tristan Merlihan here from Top Sport, and we move into round five. It's amazing how quickly that first month of the season went, where we've seen so many topsy-turvy results. Been a fantastic start of the season with so many of the sides that finished down the bottom of the table being very, very competitive and going much better than expectations to start the season. It'll be interesting to see how this round plays out because we've got four games where the line has opened at over 10 points, which is in stark contrast to earlier rounds where the games have been very, very tight. So will uh, the roughies be able, roughies in the betting side of things be able to hold on and be as competitive as what we've seen in the first month of the season? The biggest moves so far have actually all been towards those minus lines. The Panthers have gone from 11.5 to 12.5. Um, while well, the Knights have firmed in from 14.5 into 13.5, the Bronx have gone 15.5 to 16.5, and the Sharks from 10.5 to 11.5. So no massive moves, but it has been all towards the minus apart from that one game. Uh, good luck if you're having a punt over the weekend. I'm um, looking forward to seeing how a few of these teams shape up and, of course, gamble responsibly. Thank you very much to Tristan there. Um, for his exclusive insight, we'll touch on Top Sport a little bit further in the show when we go to our uh, mixed matchup. Got a few comments here. Uh, we've got Brad Stone. Yes, Painhouse certainly is playing. Dan can, uh, Barney Kilnane says they'll eventually beat someone. It's the law of averages. Yep, I agree with that. Matthew Blanche, Clarky's voice drop. That's how bad it's going. And Jeremy Kerwin says Tigers to beat the Dragons. Jeff Craner, he's got a little bit of banter rolling there towards uh, Tristan. He says, thanks in, advance, uh, thanks in advance for the extra beer money this week, Tristan. We've got the Sharks. I'll add a first... comment that there's a little graphic error. So we've got Sharks Warriors and then we've got Bulldogs Cowboys. But people will notice from what I can see, the, it's a Cowboys logo and the next game's going to accidentally have a New Zealand logo just so we don't confuse anybody. Mate, who the hell does those graphics? <laughs> they cannot be trusted when they've just got back from the gym and they're rushing to make the 7.30 deadline. We need to Sack hire an intern now. for the show. We, we might need one. If you guys think I should be sacked, drop the comment right now, and I want, I want Winnie to bring as many up on the screen <laughs> as he likes. Uh, my sincere apologies there, guys, for that little blunder uh, in terms of having the wrong games up there. Let me get the actual lines up for us now. We so, want so the NRL. line is right, Sharks favoured, but it's just there's a Cowboys logo where there should be a New Zealand one. All right, so we've got the Cronulla Sharks up against the New Zealand Warriors. The line's right. I got something right. Uh, set at minus 11.5 in the Sharkies' favour. Uh, for the Sharks, Braden Trindle returns via the interchange in place of Oregon Carfusi. For the Warriors, Tohu Harris is named. At this stage, their assistant coach says 
He's about a 50-50 chance. Uh, Ronald Volkman is in for Temeti Martin, who is out with a head knock. And Wade Egan, a big inclusion winnie. He returns on the bench for Lusick. Now, just to confirm one last time, it's the Sharks versus the Warriors. Who do you like in this one? Well, you got to go Cronulla. They beat the Warriors last year, even when Will Kennedy was sent off after 20 minutes and they were dead in the water. I remember that. I had a best bet on Cronulla, like minus 10 and a half at home to the Warriors. And then Kennedy, they, they score the first try. They're winning like by a try or something, winning like 6-0. Kennedy gets sent off. And the line went from uh, Sharks were like minus 14 and a half lives. Suddenly the Warriors were like eight and a half point favourites live. So the line flipped like 20 points. But if people recall that game, although New Zealand did hit the front, the Sharkies somehow won that game with 12, which which goes to show what a mess the Warriors were last week. In fact, I think there was a, another sin bin and at one point the Warriors were like attacking against 11 and still couldn't score if memory, memory serves. But I bring that up not only because it was the last matchup, but because the Warriors are so different in 2023, and, uh, and they've got a legit chance in this one. And you definitely want Harris in if you're backing the Warriors. So that worries me because he couldn't finish last game. So I wouldn't probably take him now. I'd wait to see. I'd, I'd want to know Harris was in and then try and get that double-digit line with the Warriors. Of course, tomorrow Martin is another big loss. And the thing about Cronulla is I've underestimated him for a couple of weeks in a row now. Like I did have a best bet against him with Para. And they, they outperformed that. They won the game as an underdog. And then I, I was borderline to play Cronulla as a best bet last week. And I left it alone. And, you know, and they, they were played outstanding and won by 30, 34 points. So uh, I'm, I'm very cautious about underestimating the Sharks side again. And I think they're going to control this game. You got Nico back. looks just as good as he did in his Dally M season. Um, I'd also think that although the Sharks won so easily last week, they're not the type of team and they don't have the type of coach that's going to get complacent or lose focus. I think they showed last year they could consistently stack performances and stack wins. And when I look at their squad, just seeing no weaknesses for the Warriors to really exploit at the prison there on Sunday. And I know what the Warriors will try and do. They'll come in, try and complete at a high level, try and defend for their lives and try and go set for set with Johnson's kicking game and hope that they get the lion's share of territory. And both sides are physical outside backs that will start your set well and they both got gritty forwards. But in daytime conditions, I just think Cronulla's got the more explosive plays in them and that the Warriors could find themselves outside of their comfort zone where they could be down late in the game by a couple of tries and be forced to play more risky than they really want to, which, you know, that's a risk versus reward that can pay off but can also cost you covering a line, which is why I, I didn't play the Cowboys this uh, – sorry, the Warriors this week. <laughs> i tell you what, I'm reading the comments on the side now and it seems like the viewers actually have my back. One in particular, Matt, uh, Matthew Blanche, he says, Clark against Stabler is his first written warning. Now, I'm going to come clean. This is my second stuff up. I had the plus and the minus mixed up on a Cowboys game, which is my second official warning. If I hit a third stuff up, let this hereby be known on the show, Winnie. I will cop a punishment. I'll, I'll let the fans decide. <laughs> the, the fans deserve better. So if I stuff up again, you guys know what to do. Name your punishment in the comments now. And, uh, All right, we'll try and remember that. We'll try and remember that if you stuff up again with any graphics. 
we'll, we'll pick something appropriate that doesn't uh, permanently injure or otherwise uh, hurt me too badly. Uh, but in this one, I, I definitely agree, Winnie. I don't think you can beat the Sharks going set for set. Um, I think eventually they'll catch you. They've shown that with Nico Hines back. He adds some serious TNT to their attack, which was already pretty good to start the year. But with Nico Hines, they're on another level. And, and I say that with respect to the Doggies last round. Great win for the Wilds at home. But the Sharks at points bet, I think they're a little bit of a different beast to the Doggies in New Zealand. Uh, and so the, the Sharks do have a great record against the Warriors. They've won 10 of their last 12 against them. Uh, and Ronaldo Militalo, I don't mind him for a try winning. He scored 14 of his last 15 at home, of course, all on that left edge. And with all of those tries, he had the same man, Sirius Vitalikai, inside of him. Um, so I don't mind him there against the Wires either for a try just quietly. I'm pretty confident on the Sharkies here. I reckon they can get this one done 13+. plus. Warriors have shown they have a new sort of defensive steal, if you will, to their defense this year. But the Sharkies' attack just looked a little bit too potent um, against the Dragons there. So I think with Heinz back, they can get it done 13+. plus, And I wouldn't be shocked to see their winger, Ronaldo Mulatalo, uh, crash over for a try there. Anything else on this one before we move on to the final game of the round? Let's move on to it where we have another graphic error. You could say you made one no, mistake. That... You swapped the Warriors and the Cowboys. But <laughs> I think we let the viewers decide because that's another, that's a second mistake, which would be a third. So I don't know if no, you want to that, read that some of these comments. Clarky, uh, we'll put them up on the screen. You can read them out. Shoey, shoey, shoe, 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 shoe. Wear a dress. You have to have 100 on Luke Brooks' first try scorer. Come on, Ooh. guys. The guy's got a family. <laughs> uh, naked ice bath for 60 seconds, shaved eyebrow. Oh, yeah, no. or you have to support the Tigers. So we'll let I'll you decide. I'll come in with a Tigers jersey and I'll put 100 bucks <laughs> on Luke Brooks to score first. How funny would it be? That might be what uh, what turns his whole career around. Could you imagine if that happened? Oh, oh, if I make another graphical error from this point, guys, I will come on this show with a Tigers jersey and I will bet $100 on Luke Brooks' first try scorer and I'll do a shoey on the show to close it out. So you know what? You're not, you, nobody's perfect either because I uploaded the text for this show really quickly and people have already picked up that it says round four when it is round five. So it's one of these things where we're desperately trying to be ready and I know we're a little bit four minutes off the mark today. We're desperately trying to be live at the right time for you guys. And, um, yeah, we're not perfect. We, we make mistakes when we're, when we're rushing and we're not fully focused. So, um, look, as long as it doesn't bleed into the uh, the results, because always make sure that there's no corners cut when it comes to our best bets. And we do have a mixed matchup involved in this final game, but I'll let you set the table for it, Clarky. Let's set the table before that. It's the Bulldogs versus the Cowboys at a core stadium. The line is set at uh, minus well, half a point in the Bulldogs' favour, the, the shortest line I've ever seen, actually. When As we call it in the business, it's pick them. It's basically em. you just pick who you think is going to win. Okay, I'll pick them. For the Bulldogs, Josh Reynolds is back. That's a big one. He returns by the bench for the injured New Brown, and big Franklin Pele is uh, on the bench there for Jaden Tanner. North Queensland, some uh, serious changes here. Uh, their right side edge has gone Taolungi and Shibasaki both out. That means Peter Hiku and Brendan Elliott start there instead. Uh, Healam Luki starts uh, for the suspended Jeremiah Nanai. Mitch Dunn, a nice story here. He returns for his first NRL game post-ACL tear. And Riley Price 
the son of Steve Price and nephew of Brent Tate debuts off the bench for the injured James Tamu. Um, let's get into it, Winnie. What do you got for us? So I made the Bulldogs my other best bet because I think they're every bit as good as the Cowboys and they're at home and they're coming off a loss. But I think it was a very respectable one. I, what jumped out at me was some of the names on the bench, which you already alluded to as well. Like Mitch Dunn is a quality player and the Cowboys need him because, of course, Nanai's out this week, but not much was made of the loss of Gilbert. This guy played at an origin level last year. And I feel like not much has been made about the status of Luciano Leilua. You know, he was recruited uh, to join this year, but he actually got the early release and really made a big difference, kind of ball-playing back rower to the uh, to the Cowboys last year. And he hasn't been available. And Mitch Dunn is a quality player who can help cover that, but he's coming off a terrible injury, and this is his first game back. So I don't know how much of an impact he'll have game one, but that is a plus. And then, as you say, the son of Steve Price getting a – a jersey that makes me feel so old as well. Um, now that sons of players that I can clearly remember watching in their prime are playing, uh, and and then of course Josh Reynolds, who doesn't isn't excited about seeing him in a Bulldogs jersey again. But I look at the dogs and I see with with some of the suspensions for the Cowboys, I see more game breakers on their side. I think you can't deny the form of a of a Kiraz. I think the back line starting to get pretty skinny outside of Val Holmes for the Cows. Uh, and of course, you know, Matty Burton and his kicking game. I know this game, these sides played a close one last year, in fact, in round one, but this one's down at a core. And I think the doggies will win this one. And I, I took the plus one and a half. So some bookies have the Bulldogs as a slight favorite. So that's where, again, the advantage of shopping around. So I took the plus one and a half, which was on several bookies, uh, better and sports bet and maybe double as well. So again, if it comes down to the, if it's a level game, as we saw multiple games coming down to a field goal last week, having that plus one and a half just um, makes you feel that much more comfortable. So I was comfortable enough to make it a best bet. And in fact, I might even share the mixed matchup as well, because people are wondering where that one's been. Let me bring it up on the screen. So I already made the case for the Dragons to beat the Dolphins. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to score that many points with a new makeshift halves combination. So I've got the Bulldogs to outscore the Dolphins, and that's paying $2.40. I think the Bulldogs are going to win. I think the Dolphins are going to lose. You can have up to 200 on that on Toppy. If you need a Toppy account, use the promo code TPLIVE. And again, we are going to include the responsible gambling, consistent messaging from now on, guys. And it is really important to us. And go back and watch the 12 commandments of punting video that I put on YouTube on the Tripod YouTube channel. There's several components in that about being responsible, being disciplined, and only punting if it adds something positive to your life. Seriously, otherwise it isn't worth doing and you don't need to. So we so ask yourself, what are you really gambling with? And if you want free and confidential support, you can call the number on the screen or visit the website, which is covered by a comment, but I can take the comment off the screen. Uh, so Clucky, what do you think about the mixed matchup. Yeah, don't mind the mixed matchup at all. One thing I do like is how you incorporate them with your best bets. Um, and, and you know, with the best bets, we know you've got a nine-year track winning record. So you're kind of tying in almost a secondary bet of what you're keen on in with the best bet. For one to occur, it's likely the other will occur, if that makes sense. So I do like it um, in that regard. I've got a bet for this game as well. Uh, my take on toppy top try scorer is Jacob Carraz. Um, anytime try scorer, you can get $2.50. It's the best odds in the land on toppy. 
only until 9 p.m. New South Wales time. Um, I don't quite have a nine-year tracked winning record, Winnie, but I, I have two from four this year. One at $3 odds, AJ Brimson and Sione Katoa at $2 odds last week. For the game itself, there's a fair few changes to this Cowboys side. Um, I think with Jeremiah Nanai out, they lose even more spark than what they previously had. And I know it's been a point that we've discussed about them in the last few weeks. Where are the points going to come from? Who's going to break this game open for him? It's been Nanai a few times this year. I think he's at three tries. Take him out. Um, there is another question mark there, I guess, for a Cowboys side that is realistically not where they were last year, in my opinion, just yet. Doggies have mixed form this year. So I'm certainly not 100% confident here. But I do like them as an underdog. I took them last week against the Warriors. Uh, ironic with the graphic. I took them against the Warriors last week. So I will take them again um, this week. Both uh, what have we got? Both Cowboys wins have come at home this year. So they will be traveling to a core. So that's an element there. And last year, the Cowboys did struggle a little bit when traveling to New South Wales. And the Doggies do have a nice record at a core stadium winning. They've won three of their past four. Don't mind Addo Carr, the other winger as well, for a potential try. Him and Karaz, maybe. Uh, Addo Carr's got 19 in his last 14 at a core. All on the wing there. Some of those for the Melbourne Storm, though, of course. Don't forget that, guys. Um, a so win since here. you mentioned, sorry to interrupt you, but you mentioned Karaz and Addo Carr. I'll put you on the spot because we talked about Swali'i. We don't need to get into all the NRL 360 mm. gossip this week, right? But the comments, the bold comments by Gus Gould, which I thought were just insane, that let him walk now and I wouldn't pick him for origin. It did get me thinking, who's your Blues backline right now? And who are, like, is Suwali in it? This is a, uh, you'll have to wait till, no, I'm kidding. This is a post I put out every Friday on the page. So I was going to say, wait. Um, I still have Joseph Suwali'i there for the moment. Um, it's between him jo him and Josh Adokar. Um, but I, no, I, I still like Joseph Suwali'i. So that wing spot is between him and Adokar. That mean you're handing the other wing spot to Toto? Certainly. I've got Brian Toto yep. on that other wing. Um, I don't think you can leave him out. You know, Brad Fiddler has shown that he loves a tall winger as well. Um, mm. You know, I'll, I'll get you the full side here. Here it is here. My fullbacks, Tedesco. Wingers are Suwali'i and Toto. Centers, Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trevojevic. Right. Uh, I mean, you, so I, th I think no one can argue there. with any of them, but Addo Carr played so well at the World Cup for Australia. I wonder if Freddie could really leave him out either. It's debatable. I, I think... Addo Carr might have his nose in front of Swali, but any of those backline players get injured that you said, I think he'd be next cab off the rank. And I think I'm a Queenslander, but New South Wales would be insane not to pick this superstar. What, because he's going somewhere else in 2025? As if 90% of the rest of the NRL wouldn't take a contract mm. that was double the money if they got the opportunity? Can I offer Campbell Graham? Don't forget Campbell Graham. He's played for the Kangaroos now. I think he could be a shout for that wing because Freddie loves... Um, a tall winger there. There's so much depth for the Blues at the moment. It's absolutely um, insane. And the trajectory, there. the trajectory that Jacob Kiraz is on, he oh, will yeah. put himself in the conversation if he keeps playing this well because he's arguably the best winger on his own team at the moment that has a, an Australian incumbent on there. Certainly he leads the NRL for metres at the moment. Um, I just think for Carver, if I could say one thing, the Queensland Maroons are a little bit of a different competition to what he was facing for most of the World Cup. Um, against some of those lower-ranked nations. Um, but back to this game, I do like Adokar for a try. I love Karaz for a try. Possible to consider them both there. I don't mind a Doggies win at all. It would be their best start to a season to, since 2016. And with Cameron Serrato at the helm, uh, I think they are poised to potentially shock the Cowboys here. 
who haven't quite looked themselves this year. Um, I'm sorry, I've got, to, I've got to jump in again. They've lost two of four. and But if they win their fifth game, it'll be their best start to a season for seven years. It kind of says um, it's been tough sledding for a few years, hasn't it? But in all honesty, Serraldo at the helm, um, they do look to be going in the right direction. They do, and a win here can really set their set some momentum for their their season and really start to implement things as a new life under Cameron Serraldo. So we both like the doggies in that one. Um, that will go ahead and close out our show here, guys. So, of course, we say thank you very much to everyone who's been with us for the past hour. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you being here. Keep the conversation going. Keep the banner alive on the Tripod Facebook group. And if you want more footy uh, general content, check out Clarkie's Rugby League column on all over social media. Enjoy your footy this weekend, guys. And don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday to recap it all about 10 to 15 minutes after that final game. With that in mind, guys, thank you very much one last time. Lego!